Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. I guess you could call us a tele-podcast? Uh, possibly. I'm Randy Baker. I'm Dr. Kent. And today we've gone to Silicon Valley. We have. We've, we've gone, we've teleported ourselves uh, through the televisions that are sitting in front of us. I guess monitors are kind of like televisions. Kind of, yeah. Well, you look like you're on the big screen to me, right? Well, doesn't that tele just means far, right? Envision, to see, to see far away or something? Yes. Or, you know, a telephone is to phone far away, or a telegram is to send printed matter far away quickly. What's a telegram? Telegram. So I, I can tell you a story about <laughs> telegrams. I used to deliver those things. So if, if my listeners, if our listeners don't know what a telegram is, um, when I was 10 or 11, I used to deliver them on a bicycle wearing a little hat. So look it up. Um, so we're talking with, today we're talking with Sabila Zia. She is a doctor. She has an MBA. She is building a startup in Silicon Valley, and she has the most interesting project. Yeah, she, she's doing a number of things. I mean, uh, the one of the things is called called telesleep. That's pretty interesting. It reminds me a lot of you know an Andy Warhol film. I think it was you watch a guy sleep for twelve hours. Uh, I had to watch that in college, but I'm digressing. It was really interesting to talk with her and uh, to hear how passionate she is about helping people out and how telemedicine can help uh, rural hospitals and, and folks get the care they need. So here we go. Here is Subaila Zia. Nice to see you, uh, Subaila. We, we have had some challenges connecting with you, but it's really great to, to see your face and I'll say to the listeners, because they can't see you, you've got a big smile, and that's, oh, that's really you. awesome at the start of any interview. So um, tell us a little about what, what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. Yeah, thank you for having me on this show, Randy and Kent. I am a pulmonary critical care and sleep physician and founder of a, a Silicon Valley-based healthcare company called uh, Telemedora. The reason I am... Uh, doing what I'm doing right now is to make quality care accessible to everybody, including healthcare systems and their patients alike via telemedicine. Uh, one of the challenges of uh, subspecialist uh, is that it is, we are all divided unevenly across America. So rural areas have a worst shortage of physicians, and when it comes to subspecialists, it gets even worse. For instance, us, for a population of more than 46,000 people, there is only one board-certified sleep specialist to take care of them. So that's quite a huge number. And in the same way, when it comes to critical care and pulmonology, these are the top two most shortage uh, expertise areas currently in the hospital systems all across America. So the idea behind Telemedora is to make these services accessible to rural hospitals uh, when they are struggling to hire or retain top talent because everybody wants to live 
in urban areas or be closer to urban centers to refer their patients to. But that's not where most of the America lives. So I'll jump in right, right off the bat and say amazing stuff. And in just a minute, I'll kick it under the table to Randy so he can quiz you about all the business uh, details and the fun stuff there. But I'll say kind of right off the bat, you know, coming, I'm, I'm a, a son of a doctor and, and, a, and a son of a therapist. And there is such an, you know, a need for medicine in certain areas in certain places. So, so it's clear that you're coming from that heart, but you also have an MBA and an MD. So clearly you also wanted to start a business or be entrepreneurial about it, not, not just provide care one-to-one, but um, really reach a lot more people. So where did that come from? Where did that come from within you? Is that from your family background? Is it from experiences you've had as a physician? Why do you want to help more and more people? Yeah, thank you for asking me that question. Like you, I also come from a family of uh, physicians. Uh, My younger sister is a physician. I have so many cousins uh, spread all across America who are physicians and taking care of people. Having said that, during my seven years of training after medical school, my my medical school was in Pakistan, but then I came to America and did seven additional years of training at different healthcare centers, big university programs, where access to care was on their fingertips. When I went to rural America, it was a different story, like I mentioned before. I did want to make a difference. Having said that, the bigger the healthcare systems are, the slower the things move. So as physicians, I think one thing we absolutely lack during our med school and even during my seven extra years of training was the understanding of business. So in order to understand the business side of medicine and to learn more about how things are done a certain way and why not the other way, from the business point of view and the feasibility point of view, I did my master's of business administration from WashU uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. One and also my uh, my own personal experiences were that if as physicians we do need a seat at the table because if you do not have a seat at the table, then you are in the menu. So <laughs> that was one of my other motivations behind doing MBA. Okay, that, that's that's cool. So I'm a business geek. I love people who want to understand business. The last 12 months, uh, Subaila, particularly, telemedicine has come to the fore for very obvious reasons. Has that been predominantly in the general practitioner area? And you know, the specialist areas have been largely excluded from that move but you're trying to bring those more specialized areas into telemedicine. Is that, do I get that right? Absolutely, Randy. You, you, hit, the, you uh, hit the right note there. Yes, the on-demand urgent care, simple issues like ear infections and all those primary care issues, telemedicine, we have seen an uptick in acceptance by the public as well. And unfortunately, on the a subspecialist side like critical care, pulmonology, or sleep medicine side, we have not seen so many companies there at this point. So that's why we are going to, we are hoping to bridge the gap and to provide coverage. And the reason behind that is that some of the 
physicians are used to doing things a certain way. Some of the patients are used to doing things a certain way. Some of the healthcare system administrators are used to doing things a certain way. But status quo is not the answer. We are in a fabulous, fabulous um, era when it comes to healthcare technology adoption. Like you said, telemedicine just exploded and it is here to stay. We have seen that with the remote physical exam technology, it is getting more and more refined. So my idea is that if the patient is in the hospital needing care by an intensive care physician, needing expertise, but that hospital either is too small to hire a intensivist or does not have uh, so much coverage at the time, that's where we can come in online and help the bedside team take care of the patient and try to reduce the patient transfers to distant tertiary care centers. That is where we are going to save patients' time and money, as well as uh, bring in more value to the healthcare systems in rural areas. With the help of the technology, we can even see the iris of the of a patient as well. We can have the heart and lung exams through the Bluetooth te technology in real time and so many other things. So you're effectively creating a bridge between the healthcare worker in a hospital and the expert physician that is perfect to solve that problem wherever that person may be when they're remote from the hospital. Is that Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I, I like to dive into business models. I, I have a couple of questions here, and I, I think it's fabulous what you're doing. First off, is there additional training that your healthcare worker needs to have to be able to make this specialist, I'm going to still call it telemedicine, but this specialist telemedicine to be uh, practical and, and effective? Yes. Uh, so I have had experience in seeing patients via telehealth during uh, COVID-19 pandemic in Midwest where I was I was employed at the time. So the short answer is there's no additional training required. State currently you have to have five things. Number one is that you have to have state license in the states where mm -hmm. the patient is located, not where the physician is located. Okay. Number two yeah. is that the patient should give the consent to be seen by virtual specialists. Uh, number three is that you should have a contract with the hospital. You should go through the same rigorous credentialing process and the rigorous exam process called board certification after training. So, uh, And you should be able to use the technology and it should be HIPAA compliant. The more and more telehealth gets um, gets adapted, the more and more it is going to be an issue to ensure cybersecurity of the patients, to mm -hmm. ensure HIPAA compliance of the patients. Mm -hmm. So you have, from a business perspective, so I'm going to move away from medicine for a minute. From a business perspective, there's two aspects to it. You have to recruit the hospitals and convince them that there's value in it for them. Correct. You also have to recruit the physicians. So you're kind of matchmaking between the two. Both of them have to be educated in what it is that you're doing before you can 
have an impact. What are the biggest problems you've had in, in recruiting these folk? Absolutely. So like any business, new business, we have to start somewhere and it is usually a humble beginning. One would be, uh, number one is to have uh, the healthcare executives see the vision and understand your vision and their values should align with your company values. So that is the number one challenge. Number two is that even though tele telehealth technology is there, even though we have had hospitals who have been looking for pulmonologists or sleep specialists for months, if not years, still there is there is so much uh, unsurety about the reimbursement models and there's uh, so much fear that what oh whether would it go away by the end of uh, 2022 or not so there is reluctance there they are not willing to adapt at this point and maybe there is uh, also that's a f thing is that that they have not done it this way they have always mm -hmm. done things a different way so that's one challenge like all professions, they don't like change. They they <laughs> like the way things are. It's what they're used to. They've worked it out. They know how to make money doing it. To disrupt any profession is always met with some sort of resistance. The financial model, the presumably the hospital pays or the, the patient, of course, ultimately pays. But I'm presuming this is some sort of a software as a service style Absolutely. business. It is a service-based uh, business. We are not trying to sell them any technology. We are not trying to sell them um, additional electronic medical records because hospitals have already invested millions, if not billions, in their mm -hmm. healthcare medical record system. So there's no point in reinventing the wheel. We are there to help them with their current technology, with their current EMR, with their current patient load. On one hand, it is going to be a B2B model, as you say. Having said that, one thing that I have learned so far in my entrepreneurial journey is that you may start at point A and you it's never a straight line to point B. There's always so we have to, depending upon how things are, are going to be in next few months, uh, we have also decided to incorporate our B2C model where we are going to start with tele-sleep uh, services to the patients directly so that they can get referred by their either their primary care physicians or they can self-refer them because, as you know, that obstructive sleep apnea and insomnia mm -hmm. affects millions of uh, Americans. So that and that is has yeah, significant impact on their health if they don't solve the problem. So. Absolutely. This is great. I'm, I'm just so you know, I'm thoroughly enjoying this because I love looking at disruptive businesses and you certainly have one. So you're definitely entrepreneurial at heart. You, you've definitely got the drive and the passion. What would you say to a new entrepreneur that was saying, you know, you bumped into them over coffee and they said, I've got this great idea what would you tell them? Where would you suggest they start? How do they get from idea to actually creating something? Yes, I would say that uh, number one is start. Do your, have a business model, do your research for what is already in the market, which is called market research. Don't rely too much on uh, what would people say. Don't um, let your fears um 
eat away your goals and stay uh, stay humble stay patient and just be consistent keep working every single hour that you absolutely can make sure that you do stay low asset if you don't have the money don't spend way over until you start bringing in any mm-hmm. revenue and as soon as your you start monetizing start reinvesting in your current business and look to scale don't be afraid to scale currently telemadora although we are based in silicon valley we can provide services in five different states like california illinois indiana pennsylvania and georgia but eventually the plan is to go bigger and to go bigger where the need is where we can make a difference and take things from there because everybody we we are here in this world to for a reason and we just have to uh, by the time we leave we just have to make sure that uh, we have added some value to our fellow humans that's fantastic so you said two things there that really sparked my interest um Kent and I have uh, very strong opinions on market research and that the only market research that is actually truly valuable is when somebody takes money out of their pocket and pays you because people don't necessarily know what they want. So when you ask them, what would you like? What do you want? Would you buy this? They're going to tell you something different to what you what the market really demands. If Henry Ford had asked his potential clients what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's the first thing. The second thing is don't overspend. We're very big advocates for selling what you're building before you finish building it. Absolutely. That way you avoid the problem of building the wrong thing. So I was, I was thrilled when you mentioned those two elements. That was, that was great. So we like to keep these conversations relatively short and punchy. I love your name. Can I ask you what it means? Yes, um, I love my name too. <laughs> it's my uh, my dad named me, and I'm being told that it is uh, it means sacred, something that you can love as a, uh, and regard as a sacred person. Well, there you so. go. The meaning is just as beautiful as the name. So. Yeah, and my dad, uh, my last name is Zia, so that means light. So, <laughs> right, that's that's that. That's very cool. So, Subaila, where do we, where do our listeners find you, and what are you actually looking for? How can they connect with you? Um, would you like investors? Would you like people to just take more interest in in telemedicine? What what would you like? To, what people would you like to connect with? People can find us on um, our website, which is uh, www.telemedora.com, P-E-L-E-M-E-D-O-R-A.com. We can also be found on um, LinkedIn and Facebook uh, by the same name, Telemedora. And um, at this point, I'm looking to see if we can have uh, uh, more and more hospital healthcare executives reach out to us and we can reach out to them and uh, take things from there and hopefully at 
some point in time, investors are always welcome. There has yet to be a business who would say no to investors. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, very good. Well, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sorry Kent was not able to be in the second half of the interview, but um, he will be listening to this afterwards with me. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tobias. That was a fabulous interview. I really appreciated all the stuff that you shared with us. I think you're doing a very interesting job. The ability to use telemedicine to help patients in small rural hospitals get the specialist care without having to be transferred to larger regional hospitals is a fabulous concept and I wish you great success moving forward. It's also really neat to find folks who want to continue learning and growing and changing and, and finding the need and helping to answer that need. So being a doctor wasn't enough for her and she wanted to keep going and see where she could keep improving. So if you you find yourself, dear listener, uh, listening to this and saying, gosh, I, I've got this idea, I've got this vision, I've got a company, I have a, an offer, I have a book, I have a product, I have something, I have a crazy idea for you. No, Randy does. Randy has a crazy idea for you. Oh, I think you should go to um, thoughtpartnergroup.com and start there by filling out that little assessment. But that's, that's the traditional way. If you really want to go the crazy way and step out into your full self, um, we've got this little thing called crazymba.com that just, it is crazy. Um, screw Harvard, go to Crazy MBA. Yes, a million to one uh, return on your investment. That's what we're hoping for. So don't waste time. If you want a million extra return, that's the place to go. Did you say screw Harvard? I did. Hmm. Do you think those Harvard graduates are going to hate me now? Maybe they should have gone crazy MBA too.